0: everybody, it's another Al Gattulo Craft Beer cast on AM 970, The Answer. A little U2 until the end of the world. As usual, when I record this show, and I record it at various portions during the week, uh, I come in here uh, sometimes on a Monday morning, and uh, my levels are all over the place. Somebody mucks with the board, uh, and I don't know who, and they don't learn how to reset it, and it's very annoying. Anyway, I can you know... I seem to complain about that a little bit too much. All right, I'm going to stop complaining about things. We've got a great show for you tonight. We've got news and notes to get to. Uh, great guest that's going to join us a little bit later this hour. You can follow me on Twitter at Al Gatulo, Instagram at Facebook dot Facebook.com slash agcraftbeercast, email at dot We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts. We're all over the place, including the Hopped Up Network, hoppedupnetwork.com. And you can download and listen to the show whenever you feel like it. Now, coming up in 20 minutes, Eric Franco, he's the vice president of U.S. sales for BrewDog. He'll join me. We're going to chat about this brand of beer that is pulling no punches, is trying to dominate America. And it'll be you know interesting to see a, a, a national or a worldwide brand trying to be in every nook and cranny um, in America. So we'll chat with Eric about that. Uh, he used to be a VP of sales over at uh, Founders. Uh, and at Molson Coors as well. So we'll see what's the approach here uh, for BrewDog as uh, craft beer. I don't want to. I don't want to even say craft beer is on the decline because it's not. But is it more local than national? Well, we'll ask Eric about that and some other things as well. Um, let us dive into some beer news. First off, um, the bruisology event uh, two weeks ago, or about a, a week ago, a week ago this past Saturday at the Liberty Science Center was a phenomenal event. What a great time we had there. Um, four floors, lots of beer, good catching up with a lot of people, and a lot of people were there. I mean, we're talking about, um, I think they sold over over 2,500 tickets. It was a, a fantastic event. Had such a great time. Um, we will review all of it uh, during Suds and Duds uh, coming up at the end of the show. Um, after months of innovation and in taproom trials, Avery Brewing Company is launching a new series of IPAs, Brewed for Crusaders of Curiosity. As the first brewery to package an India Pale Ale in Colorado, Avery Brewing is a long and storied love for all things hops. Nearly 30 years later, the brewing company is continuing to push boundaries in the limitless world of craft beer with their Hop Freaks Exploration Series. So joining the company's core lineup, two IPAs, Clear Horizons and Nomadic Dreamer with additional releases planned for later in the year. Uh, Set off for Clear Horizons. It's an IPA unlike any before. it. It's a crisp, bright IPA. Boasts brilliant clarity with a vibrant blend of tropical hop flavor. Prepare for a cascade of citrus hop aromas and a balanced bitterness that delights the palate. This is a New England-style IPA uh, that is illuminated with the aromas and flavors of orange and mango. Expect waves of juicy hop flavor and a tranquil finish. That will leave you wanting more. Uh, uh, That's, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Nomadic Dreamer is the New England style IPA. Clear Horizons is a crisp, bright IPA uh, with a balanced bitterness. Now, it sounds to me like both of these are somewhat similar um, in terms of, you know, like the Nomadic Dreamer, it sounds like it's very juicy. um, The Clear Horizons, very citra-forward, but doesn't have a lot of bitterness to it, so... Uh, come what as it may. They are uh, joining Avery's year-round core lineup in February and March of this year. It'll be distributed across Avery's retail footprint on draft in six packs of 12-ounce cans and in the Avery taproom and to go cooler. Uh, just head to averybrewing.com slash brewfinder to find out uh, where you can get this beer where it is sold in your area. Now, this is interesting. It's an interesting story. Workers at Widmer Brothers Brewing have voted overwhelmingly to join Teamsters Local 162, the 54 newly organized Teamsters' work in brewing, packaging, microbiology, and quality assurance. Mark Davidson, Teamsters Western Region Vice President, President of Local 162, says it is wonderful to see these workers coming together to exercise their rights, fair pay, better health care, Safety on the job, these are all things we will be working on in contract negotiations. The workers began organizing when Widmer Brothers was purchased by Anheuser-Busch InBev, in part because they are not p- being paid fairly in comparison to the parent company's union breweries. The workers also have concerns about safety in the workplace, scheduling issues, and the quality of the health care plan. And Brewtech Josh Dunavant, an organizing committee member, says this isn't just about me. I organized a union with my coworkers to make our brewery and community safer and to improve the quality of life for my fellow workers and their families. Established in 1903, Local 162 represents over 5,000 workers in freight package delivery, intermodal, soft drink, and beer, food distribution, construction, manufacturing, grocery, general warehousing, and trucking throughout Portland and the surrounding communities. Uh, For more information, you can go over to Teamsters162.com. That's interesting because of the fact that Um, you would have thought, and I I believe A.B. Imbev has owned Widmer Brothers for quite some time, so this has been something uh, that has been ongoing uh, and is interesting to see. So we'll see what happens um, in terms of their contract and if we get any information. We will follow up with you. Now, here's something that's really cool. We talked about this with Ann Riley a couple of weeks ago, and I don't believe it actually got into the interview uh, that I did because we had some technical problems, but uh, Jabba Sarasaria is going to be at New York City Brood, which I am so excited. These three women from Brazil, it's a Japanese-Brazilian brewery. Uh, They are phenomenal. They're great women. What a great time I had with them last August um, in New York. And they will be at New York City Brood. So I'm excited to see them again. I think it's going to be really cool. But here's the cool thing. Um, A friend of the show who has sent me lots of beer and lots of guests and great information of the Colorado beer scene... um, uh, Shea Franz uh, sent me this information. So, um, Japa's Savasaria is going to be available in Colorado. Now, I know she's been working at this for a while to try and get them into Colorado. I am so thrilled that now you will be able to drink uh, Japa's Savasaria beer in Colorado. These women are amazing. Uh, Japa's works with beer, uh, beer, to, uh, beer to National? Beer to National? Beer to National. I'm going to go with that. Uh, It's a woman-owned company and platform that enables the brewery to brew and sell their beer in the U.S. Uh, Besides Colorado, obviously, Japa's beer is in nine other markets in the United States, including California, New York, Florida, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Michigan, Oregon, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. We have to get them into New Jersey. They're really good. Uh, Now, the beer's out this month for Colorado. Um, uh, Matsukura, Japa's uh, best-selling beer, is named after the jasmine petals used in teas in Japan. Uh, It's a 5% ABV. Um, It's um, uh, sort of a pilsner uh, type of beer. Uh, Oshi means yummy in Japanese. The beer utilizes the unmistakable flavor of ginger, often used in Japanese cuisine, and orange peel to create a perfectly balanced wit beer. That's at 4.7% ABV. Uh, The Neko IPA is one of Japanese... uh, Maniki Neko is one of uh, Japan's most famous amulets, the Lucky Cat. Uh, This is a citrus-forward American IPA at 5.7%. And Namabiru pays homage to Namabiru, which in Japanese can be translated to raw, fresh, or draft beer. Uh, This is a dry rice lager, includes sriracha, ale, and lemon drop hops. That's uh, just a shade under 5%. Um, They they just do an amazing job. And uh, Myra Myra Kimura, uh, who we've had on the program before, she says Colorado is one of the state's with, with the highest number of breweries per capita, um, the craft culture is widespread with Color- Coloradans drinking craft beer in their daily lives. We think that Japas will appear to beer drinkers and even those simply interested in Japanese and Brazilian culture. I am overjoyed that they're going to be there I, I, in Colorado, which I think is great. I'm even more overjoyed that in a week from now, they will be in New York for New York City Beer Week. Um, that's Saturday, February 25th. Uh, Industry City, uh, between 33rd and 34th Streets, it's a short walk from the DNNR MTA spot, uh, stop. Excuse me. Uh, it's an even shorter walk to all the amazing businesses that are in Industry City. It's going to be great. The best part, other half is doing their pastry town at New York City Brewed, which is awesome. I mean, if ever there was a moment to take public transportation or Uber or Lyft, this is the day. Uh, it's going to be great. 12.30 uh, to 2 is the uh, VIP hour, or hour and a half, and then from 2 to 5 is the general admission. Great breweries that are going to be there, both from New York and around the world, uh, or around the country. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, get your tickets now, nycbrood, uh, dot com, uh for more information, and also where you can get tickets. It is going to be a fantastic Saturday in Industry City. I will be there. If you see me, say hello. Uh, it's going to be great. I cannot wait to see so many awesome breweries and catch up with people uh, that I have not seen, many of them that I haven't seen, in uh, in about a year, So, uh, which is really cool. Now, when we come back after a short break, we're going to have more news and notes from around the beer world, including, you may not know this, but Kona Beer actually has two breweries, one that's owned by AB InBev. The other is independent. I didn't know that, and you probably didn't either. We'll tell that story next, along with a lot of other stuff, when we come back after a short break on the Alga Tulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The Answer. Legend Kenny Loggins, I'm all right. That's the uh, the theme from Caddyshack. As we welcome you back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer, Kenny Loggins, going out on a final tour um, this year. I guess he's retiring from touring. It's the uh, appropriately named "This Is It" tour. And guess who's opening for him? Yacht Rock Review, which I'm so jacked. But the dates are sort of scattered right now. Like, there's uh, there's dates in May and June, and there's sort of a gap in the summertime, and then they pick it back up again in September. But he is not really anywhere near the East Coast, or at least in the general vicinity, um, in the summertime, which leads me to believe that he is going to be playing somewhere at some venue um, in New York and New Jersey uh, come the summertime. I'm hoping it's the Stone Pony Summer Stage, because Yacht Rock Review has played there the last two years. And if that's the case, I mean, first off, that'd be a great spot. Um, Yacht Rock Review already sells out. Kenny Loggins would just blow the place up. Um, it would be really cool. I've never seen Kenny Loggins in concert, but them, him and Yacht Rock Review, that has to be sort of the perfect combination, which is really, really cool. Hey, what are you going to do? Listen, I like this stuff. It's fun. Music is fun. It's personal, right? You go with friends, but music is really a singular uh, uh, connection. It's a personal connection. That you find with different artists, different bands, whatever it is. Um, and for me, I'd rather see an artist live than just listen to the music I- itself. There's a there's a, just a feeling in the air when you go see an artist. Um, you know whether it's the whether it's the booze, whether it's the friends, whether it's whatever. Music just takes you to a different place. I know my mind sort of wanders and drifts when I'm listening to music, and kind of it just everything is all right. You know. As Kenny Loggins sings. Anyway, coming up in 10 minutes, Eric Franco, the vice president of U.S. sales for BrewDog, is going to join me. We're going to chat about this brand of beer that is pulling no punches, is trying to dominate places in America. We'll talk about a lot of different things, including from a sales perspective with Eric, on how to get BrewDog into more places and what they intend to do in the cities that they're in now and cities that they are going to be in In the future, we will chat about that and a lot more coming up in less than 10 minutes from now. Our friends from Weldworks Brewing are celebrating eight years of slinging beers coming up Friday, March 3rd through Sunday, March 5th. It's a weekend-long bash. It will include eight anniversary beer releases to commemorate the occasion, specialty tappings, a Sunday Weldworks anniversary beer brunch on March 5th. There are a ton of bottle releases. Uh, Born in the Drop, which is a collaboration with Equilibrium Brewery, um, it started as an Imperial Stout aged 29 months in 8-year Blanton's Bourbon Barrels. It's a decadent beer, a blend of base recipes for Weldwork's beloved Media Noche and Equilibrium's Imperial Barreled Aged Stout. After the aging process, the beer was conditioned on marshmallow cream, chopped walnuts, cacao nibs, and a touch of maple syrup. Now, again, you have to go to the brewery in person to pick up any of these bottle releases, E.H. Taylor Mi- Media Noche features a blend of Weld Works flagship Imperial Stout aged in barrels that were used to produce the historic bourbon named after Colonel Edmund Haynes Taylor Jr., who is considered by many to be the father of the modern bourbon industry. Um, notes of caramel, chocolate fudge, maple drizzled popcorn, cinnamon churros, and glazed apricots on that one. Caramel vanilla latte Media Noche. Uh, Started as a blend of Imperial Stouts, aged 25 to 27 months in freshly emptied six-year E.H. Taylor bourbon, 15-year Blanton's bourbon, and 10-year Eagle Rare bourbon barrels. Uh, Then it was conditioned on Madagascar vanilla beans, caramel syrup, and cold brew espresso, notes of salted caramel, creme brulee, rich coffee, and light macadamia nut. That sounds really good. Now, these specialty tappings are draft only. Uh, Single barrel media noche, candy bar media noche, uh, aged in a freshly empty 15-year Sazeric rye barrel for 30 months. Uh, after aging, the beer was conditioned on caramel, roasted peanuts, and milk chocolate to produce your favorite candy bar in liquid form, which is really cool. They're going to have a bunch of collaboration beer uh, beer releases as well. Thunder Snacks, a collab with Pinehouse Brewing. They will have, um, that's a hazy IPA. Then they're going to have Lumber Juice with uh, collaboration with Great Notion Brewing. That is another uh, hazy double IPA. Uh, finally, this is a Pale Ale, and that's a collaboration with our mutual friend Brewing. Um, it is going to be uh, a lot of fun, an old-school uh, clear Pale Ale that uh, last beer will be. And then after a weekend of partying, they're going to have a brunch on Sunday, March 5th. Uh, that uh, That is a limited-seating ticketed event via Eventbrite, so if you do a search uh, on Eventbrite and uh, Weldworks, you will find information about the tickets there. Our friends from Stone Brewing have partnered up with Bullet Frontier Whiskey, uh this is a, 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 a an official partnership so what's going to happen is is that Stone Brewing and Bullet Frontier Whiskey will be paired together at liquor stores so that you pick up um let's say a six pack or a 12 pack of the um Stone Delicious IPA, Stone Delicious Double IPA and Stone um you know regular IPA and you pick up a bottle of Bullet Frontier Whiskey um you know at the liquor store which is kind of cool so that will be a sort of um Uh, you know, a a sort of together thing when you walk into a liquor store. You're going to see Stone beer and you're going to see Bullet Frontier whiskey uh, side by side, a beer and a shot. Not bad. Kudos to Stone. Our friends from Ross Brewing, they're dropping a a porter this week, Baltic Winter. Uh, This is a spiced variant. It's an 8% Baltic porter brewed with chocolate, vanilla, and cinnamon. It's done alongside their good friends at Virginia Beer Company. Um, This uh, Virginia Beer Company out of Williamsburg, Virginia. It is... um, Spiced variant with chocolate, vanilla, and cinnamon. As I said, it has a rich multi sweetness with aromas of speculos cookies and an 8% ABV that'll keep you satisfied. Uh, grab the base variant and enjoy them both, as they say. It is in stores now. Full distro coming up this week. Uh, and, of course, as always, it's available for home delivery in certain states like in New York on the app Taproom uh, at T-A-P-R-M. Uh, so kudos to Ross on that one on a Baltic Porter, a spiced version. The Collaboration Fest will be taking place uh and being held by the Colorado Brewers Guild coming up uh March Saturday March 25th from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Western uh Westminster in Westminster uh Colorado. Uh, again, this is uh, held by the uh, Colorado Brewers Guild, over 175 craft breweries, more than 120 collaboration beers. It is an extensive list. I'm not going to I'm not going to give you the full list cuz it is enormous. Um you can purchase tickets online Uh, We will uh, put out a link on that uh, via Twitter. Um, Again, the list is subject to change. Uh, If you go to the Collaboration Fest Festival guide, it will give you the updated information on what beers are going to be there and the collabs by whom. Uh, More than 20 out-of-state brewers to the festival uh, this year, two international collaborations as well. Again, this is at the Westin Westminster, Saturday, March 25th from 2 to 6 p.m. It's the Collaboration Fest hosted by the Colorado Brewers Guild. Uh, Founders has announced an all-day series variety pack uh, that is coming out. It will feature two new beers, All Day West Coast and All Day Crimson Sky. Uh, All Day IPA is in it as well, and All Day Haze, a seasonally rotating all-day series release, and then All Day West Coast and the exclusive All Day Crimson Sky. Uh, Let's see, All Day West Coast comes in at 4.7% ABV, so this is a session uh, West Coast IPA. Um, All Day Variety Pack uh, is at the breweries now. Uh, If you can wait until May, you'll find it in 15 packs and 4 packs of 16-ounce cans. All Day Crimson Sky, sold exclusively in the Variety Pack. Again, the Variety Pack doesn't come out uh, actually until March. Uh, The All Day Variety Pack is available in both tap rooms now. It will be on shelves in 12 packs of 12-ounce cans nationwide in March. Pretty cool from founders. Now, finally, archaeologists in southern Iraq have uncovered the remains of a tavern dating back nearly 5,000 years, and they hope will illuminate the lives of ordinary people in the world's first cities. It's a United States-Italian team that found this. They found the ruins of ancient Lagash, northeast of the modern city of Nashriya, which was already known to have been one of the first urban centers of the Sumerian civilization of ancient Iraq. The joint team from the University of Pennsylvania and the University of Pisa discovered the remnants or the remains of a primitive refrigeration system, a large oven, benches for diners, and around 150 serving bowls. Fish and animal bones were found in the bowls, alongside evidence of beer drinking, which was widespread among the Sumerians, which is really cool. The project director, Holly Pittman, said they found the refrigerator, hundreds of vessels ready to be served, benches where people would would sit. They understood that this uh, was a place for domestic people, not royalty. This is a place where the population would come and eat collectively and talk. Now, they called it a tavern because beer is by far the most common drink, even more than water for the Sumerians. Why? Because of the fact that the water was not really sanitized because there was not really a sewer system. People, you know, did their business in the water. So beer would be brewed at a lower ABV and safer to drink. That's really cool. They even found a beer recipe found on a cuneiform tablet. That's pretty awesome. So this is a major historical find 5,000 years ago uh, in terms of beer. Pretty impressive. We posted the link on our Facebook page. You definitely want to check it out. And then finally, some breaking news uh, from California. Uh, Drake's Brewery, uh, Brewing has acquired Bear Republic Brewing. Um, they apparently are taking over the recipes. They have not taken over Bear Republic's tap room, uh, but apparently one of Bear Republic's tap rooms uh, closed, And uh, Bear Republic was uh, pulling back from a number of different places around the country. So it sounds to me like there was a finance issue there, and now Drake Brewing has taken over uh, the recipes of Bear Republic. Of course, Bear Republic Number 5 IPA, a fantastic IPA, but Drake's Brewing is now taking over Bear Republic in terms of making their beer and distributing it through Drake's Brewing. Interesting news. When we come back after a short break, Eric Franco, the VP of U.S. Sales for Brewdog, is going to join me on the program. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. 70 The Answer, of course. You can follow me all over social media on Twitter, at Al Gattulo, Instagram at Gattulo, G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O, Facebook.com, slash AG Craft Beer Cast. Of course, Google Podcasts, Apple, uh, you know, iHeart, Odyssey, all those great places, iTunes, Alexa, and of course you can hear us over at the hopdumpnetwork.com. The podcast version of the show comes out a few minutes after the show ends, just around 12.05 a.m. Eastern on Monday morning. And you can download and listen to the show at your leisure. My next guest has over 25 years of selling beer and craft beer in the United States. And now his next big venture is handling national sales for BrewDog. And I'm going to be honest here, selling anything, be it beer, widgets, let's say cars, Always a tough sell, especially when it comes to beer and getting your brand noticed. Now, BrewDog.com slash USA is the website for more information. And, of course, they are all over social media as well. Let me welcome to the craft beer cast for the first time the vice president of U.S. sales for BrewDog, Eric Franco. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Now, 25 years selling beer, Eric. How did you get started in the business of selling beer? You know, I, I took
1: a, a little bit of a, a different route. I was actually a publican in my 20s, so I opened my first bar when I was 23 years old back in my hometown of El Paso, Texas. So that was my first foray into uh, beer and uh, the commercial side of, of the beer business.
0: Wow. So, so I mean, obviously in Texas, there's not a lot of people, back, I mean, back 25 years ago, they're not drinking craft beer. They're drinking, you know, uh, a Miller Lite or whatever the case may be. How how did you use that experience to propel yourself to the next step?
1: Well, it was interesting because it was at the foray right at the at the front of the, the quote unquote microbrew phase back then, and so my first bar was a bar called Hemingway's Ale House, was the first microbrew bar in West Texas, and so anything that they had on draft, the wholesalers would carry, whether it was on draft or in bottle uh, package, mm-hmm. I carried. So it was in the early days of Sam. It was Pete's Wicked Ale. It mm-hmm. was um, Yellow Rose. Black Dog Ale, Spanish Peaks. So there were some really early kind of uh, brands that we we repped and that I sold, and and that's kind of how I got into the business. A lot of imports at that time too.
0: Oh yeah, Pete's Ale. boy, that brings back memories. And the only one really left, right? I mean, is is, is Sam Adams out of that group that you said? Now, in all of your experiences in sales, what is one lesson that you've learned that you've taken with you or used throughout your career?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think the the biggest thing is that great people build great brands, right? So this is a people business, and I think throughout the years, whether it's at retail, whether it was internationally or domestically, the, the big brands I represented or craft, uh, you know, it, it's all about people. And if, if you have great people and you surround yourself with great people, those great people that are motivated end up building great brands, right? And so that's that's really the big lesson for me.
0: Building building those people up to get those people, you know, motivated and, and encouraged and and you know getting them out there and happy at selling that product, whatever it is, I I, I totally get that. Now we're talking with the vice president of U.S. sales for BrewDog, Eric Franco, BrewDog.com/slash/USA is the website for more information. They're all over social media as well. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. Now you last worked at Founders, so I, and obviously you know the the bulk of your experience is within the underst- and the understanding of the craft beer business. How do you use that experience? to getting BrewDog into as many bars and liquor stores as possible?
1: Yeah, that's a great question as well. I mean, Founders was a great brewery, uh, a lot of experience there. I think I think the lessons that uh, that I built was, was really, again, building building a team that is a uh, really solution-based, fact-based selling organization. But I think when you have a product like we had at Founders at that time, uh, really utilizing data and being able to, to craft, no pun intended, stories, To really discuss how valuable a particular brand or SKU is to the retailer is really, I think, the biggest play and the biggest, um, one of the biggest levers that we pulled at Founders in particular. But for for us at Brewdog, it really is understanding the portfolio, Mm -hmm. understanding the value of that portfolio, portfolio, and then really leveraging the, the global position that we have. Obviously, we have a huge brewery here in Columbus, Ohio, which I'm sitting in today. Right. And we have pubs around the country but it's leveraging that global craft uh, positioning that we have and then tying that into our regional and national play uh, collectively. So a a lot of learning and a lot of work to be done.
0: And and let's talk about that. You've got these huge facilities that are open that BrewDog has, you know, in Ohio, as you mentioned, Las Vegas, Pennsylvania, et cetera. Is that the next big challenge for BrewDog? I mean, like I said, you, you know, coming from founders, making sure all of these operations run smoothly from a sales perspective, but that's the next big challenge here?
1: I think it's the advantage, right? I think we, we're we a bit different from our positioning uh, as, a, as a brew pub plus brewer, right? So we have right. the, the large brewery that, that impacts our wholesale sales and our large retail, whether it's chain and or independent. Right. But we also have the other side of the business, which allows us to really get our brand uh, in the hands of consumers in a different occasion, right? So we, we're able to, to do it slightly different, right? We, we're not solely dependent on the on-trade or the off-trade. We have our pubs. It allows people to experience our brand, in a a very unique way, and each pub is different, which is great and very, very cognizant and very aligned to the local uh, geography that it it lives in. And then we have that uh, in parallel with the the large brewery, right, and the production brewery that we have here in Columbus. And so our our positioning is, is slightly different, and it allows us to interact with the consumer Slightly differently than maybe other
0: breweries. You know, that's interesting that you say that. That each of the pubs are are sort of run differently, so that it's not this generic sort of cookie cutter. You go to one place, you've seen, you've kind of seen all of it. You're adapting to the areas that you're in, and and tailoring those things to the consumer that's in that area, not just simply saying, "All right, here's the here's the tanks, here's the beer, here's the food." It's all kind of the same. You're kind of matching it up with that local market, which I think is a, a very smart strategy.
1: Yeah, and there's always going to be that core, right? There's always going to be that that alignment, whatever the, the strategy, retail strategy we have is, and really the brand strategy, right? That'll right. always come through. The look and feel of the pubs internally is very, very similar. But obviously, Vegas is going to act differently than Atlanta. It's going to act differently than our upcoming store in uh, or pub in, in Denver, as an example. So right. we do celebrate that uniqueness. We do celebrate kind of the, the consumer and the differences that those consumers and, and those customers are looking for.
0: We're talking with the Vice President of U.S. Sales for BrewDog, Eric Franco. Uh, BrewDog.com slash USA is the website for more information. All over social media as well as we are here on the algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. So that does lead me to my next question. The next place that you guys are heading is Denver in Colorado, a rich, vibrant, huge craft beer community. So the, the approach there, because there are so many, so many breweries in Colorado, uh, how do you take advantage of that to say to people, hey, look, we know that you have all these other choices. Come give us a try here at this place, and we may change your mind about the perception of BrewDog or whatever it is. Our beer is good. Our food is good. How do you, how do, you do that in a, in, a, in a state that has so many breweries?
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's one of the reasons we chose Colorado, right? It's it's kind of a a state that welcomes uh, craft beer drinkers across the board, right? There are a right. lot of local breweries, but there's a lot of choices as well, and it's it's a community of of breweries which we love, right? We, right. we are a craft brewer, we're a global craft brewer, so we have breweries all over the world. So we're excited about Denver, we're excited about Colorado, we're excited about being part of the fabric of that community from a brewing perspective, mm-hmm. and then, look, it's uniquely different. Every brewery, every every tap room, um, every offering is different, and that's what makes craft brewing so unique and so really, I think, polarizing for people in the fact that you have a lot of different choices, and on a different day, you might have a different field. You might right. want to go to Breckenridge, you might want to go to Avery, you might want to go to Bloomington, whatever that is. Right. Um, It allows you choice, and it gives you choice. And that's the beauty of craft is that there are choices, and there are really no wrong choices. And so we really feel proud and excited to join the community there in Colorado.
0: You know, it's funny, Eric, and I've I've been doing this show for a long time now, and it's always the same theme with everybody, and that's what I, I, I think I love about the craft beer community and about the craft beer business itself. Even though you're all competing for the same piece of pie, you're all trying to help one another out. Everybody, you're all fighting for the same dollar, you're all fighting for the same customers that you want to come in, whether it's over and over again or once every few months or whatever it is, but yet you're all willing to help one another no matter what it is, and you're all, you know, you look at it from that perspective. Not that I would ever think that socialism would ever work anywhere in the world, because it doesn't, because it's, it's that's based on that belief that everybody can get along, but for some reason, the craft beer community seems to have it figured out and everybody seems to get along. I, I find that remarkable.
1: Well, I think it's it's also unique unique to I think brewing, right? And right. brewing, you think about the history of brewing, you think about the history of bar on premise. Uh, you know, it's communal, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's always meant to bring people together, right? Whether in happiness or sadness, whether it's celebrating or not, you know, that's what beer does. And right. whether it's craft beer, in all honesty, I work for the macro side of the business as well, sure. right? representing global brands. It's the same premise, right? So it's meant to to be a a driver of community and of of togetherness, and so for me, um, it's a position that I think BrewDog does very, very well. I think the craft community does well, right. and I think we uh, we celebrate right. We celebrate great beer and, and great times together.
0: All right, last question. This is going to be a tough one for me, Eric. If you were stuck on a desert island, or maybe a tough one for you, you're stuck on a desert island. You only have one BrewDog beer style that you can drink. What would it be, and why?
1: Oh, that's a that's a really really tough question. Yeah. That's why well, I saved I it for last. Well, I'm going to say this, and it's going to go against the grain, right? But I'm going to go jet black heart. It's our uh, nitro stout. Okay, just because I think it's unbelievable. Uh, it's just the the style. I'm, I'm I'm malt forward. I love stouts. Okay, and I think we produce one of the best stouts in the world. And you know, in all fairness, uh, if I'm on an island and and I need some sustenance, I, I need that seven percent and a little bit of that malt and a little bit of that character to, to keep me through and and keep me uh, keep me alive until uh, until someone finds me. So. I'm going to say our, our Jed Blackstone.
0: All right, there you go. My guest has been the Vice President of U.S. Sales for BrewDog, Eric Franco. BrewDog.com slash USA is the website for more information on all the beers and their locations as well. And, of course, they're all over social media, too. Eric, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Very much appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thanks so much, and take care. You got it. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Great Kenny Wayne Shepherd, as we come back to you with the final segment of the Algotulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy The Answer. Kenny only playing guitar on this. The great. I always forget Noah's last name. I don't know why I do this, but uh, this is from the Trouble Is album, which came out in God nineteen ninety six. And I know they're doing an anniversary tour of this um, this year. And if I'm not mistaken, Noah is back with the band, which I never liked Kenny singing. He he decided to take over the singing a couple of years after. This album had come out and was not a fan of Kenny's voice. Sometimes you just have to say, look, you know what? You can't sing. Just keep playing guitar. And, and he shreds it. And when I saw him last summer with Joe Bonamassa at uh, Jones Beach, it was a fantastic show, which Bonamassa coming back to Jones Beach and also to Bethel, I think with, what is it, with Sticks and uh, Don Felder. It's an interesting show. Interesting show. I don't think I'm going to get out there. Um, but an interesting show nonetheless. Uh, but uh, maybe next time Joe's in the city, I will uh, certainly go and catch him. Um, so final segment of the show, Sudson does a little different this time. Two beers that I actually put on on tap that I reviewed, but uh, the bulk of the beers is just a, a recap of bruzology. So, um, I want to do the recap first of bruzology because I'll tell you, this was a wonderful event held a week ago Saturday at the Liberty Science Center in Jersey City. And it is this um, national company that's holding it, uh, the Bruzology Beer Fest. So it's in different cities around the country. Uh, This one, Jersey City, uh, for the New York metro area. And then, you know, they're popping it around to different places. I have to tell you, I'm very impressed with the event. I enjoyed how it was run. You had access to all four floors of the Liberty Science Center, access to a majority of the exhibits. Obviously, some of the animals and stuff were put away in their cages, but some were out. There were turtles out and things of that nature. Um, but um, it it had a nice flow to it. And I have to say, I will suggest this. I, I don't know how it's going to be like in other cities, but the VIP hour was certainly worth it because there were a lot of beers at the VIP hour that you could not get uh, when they opened the doors for general admission. So it was nice to be able to drink some stuff that other people would not be able to get a chance uh, to drink. The prices were, you know, listen, for an event at a, at a place like this, it's going to be a little bit pricey. The VIP was $75. I think the general admission was 55 And then I think they had a designated driver ticket for $35, which apparently, according to some people, the designated driver ticket was really not advertised on the website. A couple people were complaining about that. But they did mention that they were designated driver tickets, so I I wonder if just people just didn't search. Maybe they were using an older browser and it didn't come up uh, because there were a number of people who wanted to attend the event with their significant other and not realizing that um, they could buy a designated driver ticket and had to buy a full price ticket and they weren't going to drink the beer. What are you going to do? So again, VIP hour was from uh, 7 to 8 p.m. General admission was from 8 to 11. Great to see so many uh, brewers there, not uh, brewer owners, not only just people there, but brewer owners as well. Uh, Chuck at Jersey Girl, Steve from Ashton, the boys at Coastal Brewworks, uh, folks from Walton and Ending, Tori at Backwards Flag, Adrian from Bolero, Ross Brewing, Greg at Ramstein, Brian from Departed Souls, Tim and Cindy from Twin Elephant. So many folks, so little time to chat with people, but got a, got a chance to bounce around, uh, to see a lot of people and say hello and what's going on, and so great to be out at the event and so many people. Had a good time uh, there, which was great. So in no particular order, here's the beers that I had. Uh, Twin Elephants Rugged Snuggle, a fantastic porter, really good. Um, Inherent Vice Lager, that from, uh, uh, from Wild Air uh, Beer Works, which is Bradley Brew Project's other project, if I'm not mistaken, or is it Last Waves? I don't remember. I never remember these things. So stupid. But a great lager and a great little spot in Asbury Park, a couple blocks off the beach, really, really good. you got to check it out. Um Milk and cookies, the pastry style from Ross. Great cinnamon and gingerbread flavor. Really, really good. I enjoyed that. Um, two breweries, so I got a chance to taste uh, for the first time. One of them was Gear Block. I had not, I have not been to Gear Block yet, and had their K Turn kolsch Fantastic. Uh, if that's good, I know the rest of the stuff is going to be really good. And I've got to get my rear end up to Gear Block. Excellent beer. Uh had a fruited sour from 902, the peach sour, um, light with a great hit of peach. Really enjoyed it. So that was good. 902 has been impressing me lately. I've had a couple things from them. Good stuff. Very happy with that. Um, had a dry Irish stout, sugar from uh, Tripping Animals. Just okay for me. I wasn't really digging it. Uh, I brought Allison with me who runs Big Brew and the Beer, Bacon, Barbecue. She really enjoyed that. I was not really impressed with that. Uh, we both liked the peach sour, though. Um, but I wasn't digging the dry uh, Irish stout. Um, got a chance to uh, talk with Tom from Muckraker Beer Maker A delicious wild ale He had this Brett Beer Madman's Drum Fantastic, great chat with him I'm going to try and get up to the brewery And do an interview with him over the next several weeks we'll, uh, And we'll bring that to you when we have it uh, I'm really looking forward to that Because Tom was great, we had a nice little conversation uh, Slang du jour, strawberry shortcake sour uh, A smoothie pastry sour From um, Drecker That Allison said, you gotta try this That was a really good beer I was very impressed. A little on the warm side, should have been iced a little bit more. Some of the stands were being run by people who worked at the Liberty Science Center, and so they weren't really, the beers weren't iced down enough. Um, like Skygazer, when we got there, there was just cases of beer out and no ice. So no, nobody had gotten there yet. Not a good thing. So just that's the thing I would kind of improve on the event. Make sure that it's fully staffed and you have people ready to go. Um, pound of Feathers, Pilsner. That's an Imperial Double from Icarus, always a solid beer. Uh, The Nautical Twilight Porter, uh, Coffee Porter from Coastal uh, Brewworks, probably the best porter that I have had in recent memory. Just a fantastic beer. You know, light on the ABV, somewhere around 6%, a beer that you want to drink over and over and over again. Fantastic. Somehow I missed out on the stouts from the Seed because I was too busy yakking away during the VIP hour, but I had the Dark Lager, as simple as Shadows, Delicious. I mean, not, not that I was surprised. I knew it was going to be good, but, you know, what are you going to do? I missed out on the stouts. However, five dimes who I haven't had yet and have heard great things about. Home for the holidays, Peppermint Porter. Probably my favorite beer of the night. A brewery I haven't had yet, but was my probably my favorite beer. The peppermint, which smelled like it was going to be intense on the palate, was actually not. It was smooth. It was really good. Like, I wanted to go back to that again and again and again. Uh, Smo and Joe Stout, uh, the double milk imperial stout from Departed Souls, big and boozy. Uh, Had the uh, milk porter, uh, 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 tiramisu milk porter from uh, Zigmeister, solid beer. Uh, The American peanut porter from Ashton was really good. Parent Trap, not super peanut butter forward, which I really enjoyed. I like peanut butter. But this one sort of backed off a little bit on the sweetness, which made it a much more drinkable beer. Again, I like peanut butter and chocolate together. It's always good. This was just, it was nice. It was mild. And I really liked that. And I ended up pouring uh, for Steve for, uh, for about 10 minutes because he had to run to the bathroom. So it was cool. Alice and I were behind the sticks at Ashton, which was fun. Um, I have got to tell you, the table beer from Alternate Ending, Pimei, uh, obviously a uh, spinoff from uh, uh, Kill Bill, fantastic. 2.8%. That's right, 2.8%. Unbelievable beer and had flavor. Flavor was so good. Uh, Hackensack Lager from uh, from Elementary, solid beer. Backward Flag had a porter that was very tasty, too. I didn't see the name of it, uh, so I'll be remiss that I don't have the name of that beer, but that was really delicious. We're going to get Tori on the show as well. Four City had a banging, and I mean banging, 14.5% ABV stout. That was barrel-aged. was very boozy. That guy filled that cup. woo Wow. And that was like early on in the night. So you knew it was now. Listen, I did take a lift. So to be fair, I was not driving Uh, And evil twin. I love you with all my tart. Wow. Thick fruit forward. Very, very good from evil twin. In fact, evil twin gear block uh, five dimes. uh, And there were a couple of others. I think the seats. uh, There were a number of breweries that ran out of beer uh before the end of the night. So I think next year if they have it, I think it's one of those things where you kind of adjust and bring a little bit more beer. It was a mix of cans and, and kegs. Again, you've got four stories, two elevators. Would have been a little difficult getting a lot of that beer around. So again, I understand why uh they did what they did, which made it smart. So there you go. That's the recap of uh bruisology. What a great beer fest. Really enjoyed it a lot. I would absolutely go again next year. Um, it, it was certainly worth the price. Loved the location. Uh, easy to get to with your car. Parking was free that night. Um, I took a lift, um, you know, so it was nice. And Allison was kind enough to give me a ride home, which was great because it was like over an hour for the lift. So I didn't want to have to wait that long for the lift. And she said, Listen, it's not a problem. I'll give you a ride. So that was great and um, really enjoyed that. So uh, I was very happy uh, that um, I got a lift from that. I, I had two of the beers that I checked into, but I'm going to hold off on those. Uh, until next week. Um, But I have to tell you, great job from the folks at Bruzology Beer Fest. A wonderful job in Jersey City at the Liberty Science Center. And Mark, who used to work for Bolero, uh, was the guy running everything because he now works for the Liberty Science Center. And obviously Mark with his beer background, wonderful way of setting things up and getting things done. A very smooth flow. Even getting in the VIP hour wasn't bad. They sold over 2,500 tickets. It was not super... I mean, it was crowded, but I never felt like there was a moment where I was kind of like, oh, my God, there's too many people here. It was great. The flow was great. The lines were great. Everything was excellent. Certainly an event that you'd want to go to uh, again and again, and I hope they have it next year. Now, my thanks to everyone involved in the show, including my guest, Eric Franco, the vice president of U.S. sales for BrewDog. And, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. I'll be back on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. This is the Al Cotullo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Cheers, everybody.